The Block Talk podcast started because of my passion for the property management industry. I wanted to start a conversation and add some value within the industry with a diverse range of people and professionals who can add something extra. As we start out, my aim is that the podcast offers some useful insight into a variety of views, opinions, thoughts, and foresights from our guests who include business leaders and industry experts. If you enjoy the podcast and want to find out any other information, head on over to brianwelsh.co.uk. Welcome to another episode of the Block Talk podcast with me, Brian Welsh, and Jax Bruce. Jax, how are you today? I'm all right. Um, it's quite warm outside, which is nice. And I've got the gym tonight, and this is uh, so now the gym instead of Cubs until the Cubs go back. So all right, okay. it's quite nice having that little... Uh, Looking forward to that burst of energy. How are you doing? Um, yeah, I'm good. I'm just back from holiday, actually. So I've had um, a week down on the Isle of Wight. It was too damn hot, and it's <laughs> good to be back to only 20-odd degrees in Scotland. So, yeah, yeah, I, I think I had to go and sit in my car um, and go somewhere um, so I can get in some air conditioning over the last week. So, uh, so yeah, it's been, it was very, very hot, but very, 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 a very good break as well. Cool. Okay, so today we're chatting to Joe Talon, who is a partnership manager at Blink, a payment platform that we have teamed up with, with CPL. And in fact, our uh, my inside business deals with them as well. Um, Joe has been with Blink for four years now and has previously worked in business development. Joe, good to talk to you. How are you doing? Yeah, really good. Uh, really good, Brian. Um, no complaints about the weather at this end. <laughs> new new homeowners, they're just lovely to be out in the garden. Oh, no wow, sun on yeah. my back, trying to trying to make some progress with a load of weeds. So yeah, no no complaints here. Good. I, to be fair, you know, you, you, I can yeah, I'd complain if it was raining, and I complain if it was too hot. Today's actually can't please, can't please. Yeah, you know, it's one of those things. You know, it's one of those things. It's one extreme to the other. For, um, sometimes, um, good, good. So so um, I'm not sure. To huge amount of people will know who Blink are. Um, yep. We've certainly been been talking to you guys for some time. So, do you want to give us your elevator pitch for Blink just to start with? Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, yeah, I can imagine not a lot of people would know who we are. Um, I mean, we we rebranded maybe two years ago to Blink, so previously Fidelity Payment, and with that, we've got a sort of a whole new mantra, a whole new ethos. So, I think best to start with that. Um, you know, what we believe in here is that, you know, businesses at the end of the day, businesses just want to get paid. And that's yeah. what we try and facilitate as best as possible. So what we offer is uh, a payment platform, Blink the payment platform, um, providing three different payment rails to businesses to get paid on. So that will be your classic uh, card payments. So credit card, debit card, corporate cards. We also facilitate direct debit payments and we also offer open banking, which is a relatively new piece of technology um, it falls into a number of different areas obviously for us we would um, you know manage the, the process of open banking payments from clients to uh, well from property management clients to property management businesses um, and uh, and yeah we, we work heavily in the the property management sector partner with yourselves obviously to to improve the payment journey for a number of businesses um, and yeah trying to improve solution make that that payment journey a lot easier a lot more flexible for payees and payers um and then also you know 
assess regulation, assess fraud, uh, make sure everyone's tip-top with, with their security around their payments because sure. that is a bit of a, you know, an area of almost a taboo area still, I think. You know, if you, you look at um, people's perception of, of fraud within, within payments, it's uh, still somewhere that people are quite cautious of. Yeah, that was going to be my next question, actually. Um, so especially when using cards online, um, so do you want to go through some sort of chat or talk to us about the fraud prevention that you do do? Yeah, sure. The the exciting topic of, uh, of fraud prevention. Yeah, sure, Brian. Um, yeah. yeah um, <laughs> I, I sound excited about it. Come on. That, it's, hey, sorry, it's, 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 interesting. Interesting. it's, it's interesting. really poor on me to not get excited about that. But yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, like I said, it is, it's an area that people still, you know, do get concerned about. And I suppose sure. rightfully so. I mean, unless you really understand, um, you know, all the security measures within that payment journey, you know, for example, if you're paying via card over the Internet and you're putting your card details in, you know, I can understand why people might be a bit cautious or might be a bit worried that they're giving these sort of real sacred details that connect, you know, to their bank account out without fully understanding what's going on behind the scenes. But, yeah, we've got a number of different um, fraud prevention uh, measures uh, on the platform. I mean, first of all, 3D Secure version 2. Um, I mean, for a business, it's brilliant. It allows you to, you know, remove any risk of a fraudulent chargeback. So that you know any sort of fraud happening with this two-factor authentication removes all that risk. It's brilliant. Um, and then also for the for the person that's paying, you know, if you're, you know, putting your details into you know a secure pay link that we send out, uh, for example, from our platform, you can send out a pay link that you can pay via open banking or or card. The authentication measures on there it means that you're you're not at risk of you know your card being um you know frauded and and you know you checking your bank account one morning and seeing oh my god you know where's where's all that money gone from i've not made those transactions myself so um you know that's the the first real basic one when it comes to card payments um you know i think other measures as well with the platform we we are fully pci compliant we we store and tokenize all card details on our own servers yeah. fully secured fully encrypted which means for a business using it brilliant you can you know have all of those card details saved stored safely so that for example if you have repeat customers you don't have to ask them for their details every time but you're also not taking on that compliance risk by storing them yourselves for example yeah. you know if you you took a payment over the phone and someone read their card details at you and you said don't worry i'll save those for later when you pay next week massive pcr risk you can't just yeah. you know have, have someone's card details written down on a piece of paper but any transaction they do take through the Blink platform, they automatically save those details. You know, it'll be fully encrypted. Um, you can access them to make payments later, but you never see the details. You know, mm -hmm. it's all on our on our server and, and fully encrypted. Um, but yeah, just I mean, on that, I suppose our, our platform. One of the main reasons for doing it um, was to to sort of reassure our merchants, our clients, that they are fully compliant, that there's no risk for uh, for fraud or anything like that. Um, so, you know, it's a, uh, it's a measure that we've been fully conscious in the development of, of the platform of. So, you know, when we, I've mentioned earlier, we can send out pay links. So a pay link is the ability to send out a payment request from our platform that's done securely to an email or to, uh, via SMS to a phone. Yeah. And what that does is it, it takes you to a secure pay page. So yeah. say for example, you, Brian wanted to charge someone 50 pound for something you would, you know, put that into the system it would also it would send it out um customer would receive that you know they put the card details in themselves i mean that's a big tick for sort of customer confidence already because 
you're not having to read anything out over the phone yeah. or anything. Yeah. You are in control of, of inputting those details. Um, and then when you do it that way, there's no risk of chargeback because 3DS2 is in play. You know, mm -hmm. you have the two-factor authentication, you put it in yourself, um, fully secure, goes back to our system, receipts, et cetera, sent out. So um, great for the person actually paying because they feel a lot more comfortable in the paying. And then also great for the, the property management company that's sending that pay link out because, you know, they know they're at no risk of fraud. Mm -hmm. There's no chargeback going to be coming to them yeah. unless, of course, it's a chargeback because they haven't given the product, for example. But in terms of fraud, completely removes it. Yeah, no, no, uh, that's interesting. That's interesting. So you you mentioned property management companies, obviously, because that's um, <clears throat> that's what CPL does, and that's where the kind of relationship between um, between Blink and CPL has come about. Um, do you want to talk? I, I mean, I can talk about this as well. But do you want to do you want to let me know what you would say the three most useful benefits of Blink for 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 for, for certainly CPL clients are? Yeah, sure. Um... I mean, you mentioned there, obviously, you know, I, I spoke about property management because it is more applicable to yourself and, and to this conversation. But, we, you know, we work with, you know, pretty much across any industry, anyone that sure. does take a payment, not just a card payment anymore, uh, any form of payment we, we can, can work with. But I suppose specifically for CPL clients, I think number one by a, a long way is our, our seamless integration with the CPL platform. So, you yeah. know, you can be on that platform. And you can take your car payments through it directly, which means you don't have to navigate away from the platform, log into anywhere else and, and manage the payment function that way. It's all on there. So it makes it really slick, really easy to do. Um, you've got full visibility, you know, from from point A to, to end of payment point of sale. Um, so I think that's that's the no brainer, really, um, in terms of the first benefit to, to CPL clients. Um, I think number two is more. You know, maybe if we delve into the reporting and the reconciliation aspects, obviously we have everything on, on the platform, but, you know, what we're offering now to all of our clients is complete visibility, control and accuracy on all of their their reporting for any payment function. So mm -hmm. whether the, whether it's a card payment, you know, someone's paid a, a service charge via, via debit card, whether, you know, someone's set up a direct debit um, to, to pay every month or or maybe someone's paid via an open banking transaction mm -hmm. you know every single form of payment will then come together in one place on our blink platform so yep. not only are we giving people the ability to to request and take multiple payments on one platform you've also got the ability to then report and reconcile every single form of payment on the same platform so what we're doing which which no one else is doing at the minute is is putting all of these these areas in one place, you know, it's, mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's almost like a multi-platform with one login where you can, you can do everything, manage everything payments in one area. So, you know, it's, it's massively efficient, um, in terms of tracking. And, you know, we speak to a lot of accounts departments about how they, they currently reconcile their payments. And you know, a lot of it will be, oh, we've, you know, requested, uh, we sent an invoice out, you know, for a bank transfer. And, you know, now I'm, I'm having to check my online bank every, every hour because I've got one of the sales guys pestering me to make sure the money's gone through. But you know, it would automatically reconcile on this on this Blink platform. So you mm -hmm. can send the pay link out, you can see whether they've opened it, you can see whether they've opened it and not paid it, and then you can see when the, the money's actually been paid. So mm -hmm. it makes the whole payment journey from start to finish a lot easier, um, a lot easier to manage. And ultimately it gives you a lot more control, um, which, you know, when we launched this and we were sort of in the discovery phase of, 
of Blink and trying to understand, you know, we, we knew we had a great product, but understand how it really fit in. I think that was a huge area for us, you know, the, the reporting, the reconciliation and giving visibility to accounts teams mm-hmm. um, on, on tracking their payments and watching them come in. Because, you know, if you're one penny out, you might as well be a million, you know, if it's yeah. adding up. So, yeah. you know, all of those reports are completely actionable as well. You know, you can download anything as a CSV and upload it to your accountancy softwares. We also integrate with accountancy softwares as well to take another step out of the journey. So I think that's, you know, I think those two are probably the the biggest ways. And I think apart from that, you know, for us as a business, it's, it's sort of always been our uh, sort of consultative approach to, to how we work with people. You know, first of all, we want to understand that it is the right fit. Um, then we really want to understand you know, people's payment journeys. Because, you know, we've been working together now. So we wanted to make sure that if we work with CPL, we can provide something that's going to be of real value to CPL clients. And having that integration there provides that value. So we've already got a really good value proposition. You know, we didn't want to be in a position with yourselves where it was very much, we'll work together, but what we've got isn't quite ready. You know, what we've got is really going to solve any problems. But, Uh you know, by having that consultative approach, understanding how a payment need uh, how a, a business needs to get paid and then providing that i think that's what sort of sets us apart apart from product i think that's what really sets us apart from from some of our competitors and it's it's been real good value to to industries like you know uh, property and, and areas like that that are slightly more complex with the way that they are paid um so having that sort of expert at the end of the phone has been you know really useful for for the people that we're working with yeah, no, 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 no. Certainly, from 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 my point of view, it's been a it's been a it's been a useful um, partnership and and um, for our clients as well. I mean, the one thing you didn't mention because maybe you didn't want to um, um, is that um, you, there's quite a bit of cost saving versus what their what our clients are paying just now as well. Um, potentially, isn't there? Yeah, I mean, there, there's a couple of things that. You know, we we assess immediately when when we deal with people because obviously, like I said, we we want to provide the best solution. We want to make sure that that payment journey from pay to to reconciliation to the bank is as slick and easy as possible. But mm-hmm. I mean, that being said, Brian, like you mentioned, we we can always assess you know cost you know pricings and making sure that that solution, albeit much better, is also cost effective. You know, there's yeah. a couple of you know things that have changed historically in our industry. You know, regulations that that have changed slightly. Um, that are worked around, let's say, by mm-hmm. by by certain businesses. So, I mean, I mentioned it to you. I think one of the first times we spoke that you know one of the, the things that we can assess straight away and remove is something called a non-secure charge. So, really, you know, heavily used in in property, particularly, it's it's any you know transaction that's taken over the phone mm-hmm. or through e-commerce as well. Um, you know, banks can assess that and say, you know what we'll put a non-secure charge on that because we deem that as a riskier transaction. Yeah. Yes, it is a slightly riskier transaction than if I walked into a shop and paid with my card because I am there with my card putting in my PIN. That's the most secure way to do it. Yeah. But, I mean, five years ago, you had to put non-secure transactions on on those transaction types because the security wasn't where it is now. But, you yeah. know, we, as I mentioned earlier, you know, we remove the risk of fraud. You know, we are extremely compliant. Um, there is no real risk to that. So when you see on your on your merchant statement for cards, you know, Visa debit, for example, non-secure transactions, 0.4%. 
what that is is it's just an extra fee that goes straight to the bank these days. I mean, there is a slight uplift for for uh, non-secure transactions, which is included in the interchange and scheme, but it's minimal. So mm-hmm. that will just be a bank swallowing the rest of that charge. So that's something that we remove straight away. You know, we we you know get a statement in, we'll talk through a solution, we'll look at that and think, well, there's four different non-secure type fees here for these different card types. Let's remove them straight away. Oh, look, we found you a great saving just by doing that. And then we'll always look at the the rates as well. You know, we'll we'll understand, you know, okay, property management company A, we can see that you are taking a lot of these card types. Let's play around with that rate, lower that a little bit, and really tailor this package to you so that we can come up with a decent cost-effective proposal. Okay. And I take it that's what makes your fee structure different to, to traditional um, payment card providers, yeah? Yeah, I mean, uh, everyone sort of works in their own way uh, a little bit. I mean, one of the things that we do pride ourselves on, and we've always done it since I've been here, was we're extremely transparent. So when we provide our fee structure, which is the interchange plus plus uh, structure, it'll be made up of your interchange uh, fee, scheme fee, which we have no control over, but we will Mm -hmm. present that as it is. And then it's our margin. And we will always show what our margin is. And our commitment to our clients is that our margin won't change. Yeah. So we'll say, look, these are the two fee types for each card type that we can't affect. Yeah. That, that is what it is. But we'll also say, look, this is our margin as a business. And, you know, you, everyone accepts it. You know, you, we are a business. We need to make some money as well. Yeah. That is our margin. We won't change that. Um, you know, whether the scheme fees are, are lowered, you know, your whole rate will lower with that then. We won't swallow that and think, yeah. well, you know, we've got a fixed uh, fixed rate here, but these have lowered their, their fee by 0.04%, so that's an extra four basis points to us. Yeah. The whole margin will go down with that. So, yeah, that, that's how we present it. And, you know, sometimes, I mean, before I joined here, I that was like a different language to me. And sometimes it can be a challenge to to communicate that. But we'll always be as transparent as we can. You know, we're always happy to to walk through any client, you know, walk them through their, their payment structure, make them see exactly what they're paying and, and how that payment is is created. Excellent. No, that's good. That's that's really useful because I have to say that you know, you know, when it's just one number, isn't it? Then you don't yeah. necessarily understand what makes that up. And you know, but but for someone to be transparent about the margin they're making, and you're right, profit's not a dirty word, and people should not think it is. Yeah, I think it is. I think it's seen as one sometimes. Yeah. I think especially yeah. with with sales teams, they'll look at it and think, oh, I don't want them to know that I'm making money. But you think if you're not, then that would that would scream dodgier to me than than anything yeah but, yeah and yeah and people people have to have a lifestyle you know what i mean yeah. it's like it's like when you go and you used to go and see your ifa and they organize some insurance for you and they and they never showed you the the, the um the profit or their 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 commission off it and now they need yeah. to show it and there was an uproar it's like well these, these guys are doing this for you they need to make money you know so you know you can't <laughs> they're not gonna do it for nothing yeah. So, uh, you know, so no, I do, I do get it. It's frustrating when people do think it. Although sometimes when, when I have, when I have worked on my house, maybe I need to tell myself that as well, but never mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, that's completely different, Brian. Yeah, that's completely yeah, yeah. Different. <laughs> okay. So, so um, we've talked about your fee structure. We've talked about kind of price or, um, and things like that. And, um, or, or, uh, you know, and the benefits um, and also fraud, but, 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 so that, that probably makes up a huge amount of things that um, that may make Blink different. But what does make Blink different from other payment providers in the world? In um, that respect, 
Cool. I think to be honest, it is it's sort of a summary of, of what we spoke about. I think I think number one would be is that we we are doing something that no one else is at the minute. And it's you know lots of businesses are doing a part of what we're doing, but what we've done is we've put it all into one space. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we've we've we're providing three different payment rails in, in car payments, direct debit and open banking. Mm-hmm. Um, we are providing reporting and reconciliation on all three of those on the same platform. You know, yeah. we've we've got fully we've got full customization on all of those those payment methods as well. So for example, if you send out a um, a payment link by whatever payment rail you choose, you can customize that link to match yeah. your branding. So we're effectively giving businesses the tools to market through payments, which, yeah. which no one else does. Um, and then finally on that same platform we've we've got our whole support network on there as well so yes we we've always prided ourselves on on our support and we still encourage people to call in when they can because we've got an extremely fast pickup time but we've also got live chat on there we've got um ticket raising on there for specific queries you know if we understand that a business might be in a position where they can't step away from something for 20 minutes to have a conversation with us and understand what the problem is mm-hmm. so raise a ticket track that through there I think they're the, the four main areas of, of Blink, which do set us apart, you know, having payments, reporting, customization and support all in one hub with one login. I think that is the main differential that, that we are providing at the minute. And it's, it's quite exciting to be a part of it, you know, something that, that no one else is doing and bringing it to market and, you know, and, and taking huge steps forward with it. It's, it's an exciting time for us. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I think I think as well, you know, the other things I mentioned, you know, I think what's always set us apart even before we had that that solution, that product that we're providing now was was our consultative approach to uh, to clients and also our unrivaled support. I think that that's always set us apart in a way. And I think we we still maintain that while now also offering an excellent product which which is market leading. So I think I think it's a combination of of those really. Um, yeah. And then, you know, sort of just being, which is the basics, really, just being honest and open with with everyone that we engage with. So mm-hmm. I think I think a combination of those, to be honest. Yeah, no, good, good. I, I mean, it's certainly, you know, from a from the point of view of our interactions with you, that's all I've ever seen. I mean, I know I, I've not dealt with a huge amount in Crawford's, but most dealt with it more. But but yeah. that's certainly the feedback I've got from him as well. Okay, brilliant. Well, thanks for that. Okay, so we're now on to. Um, <clears throat> Um, our three quirky questions. The quirky questions. Just going to ask you. So, <laughs> Jax. Here we yes. go. Yeah, here we go. Finishing off as we do um, with the, a little lighter. Well, should, I don't know. It might not be some of your questions. Your <laughs> answers. <laughs> um, so, the first one is what's your biggest failure across your entire career and what did you learn from it? Well, you mentioned it was going to be a lighter section, Jack. So then you I know, sorry. Go and drop that one on me. Um, that's such an interview question, isn't it? I love that. Um, <laughs> I think I think it's an interesting one um, because I think I mean I I think I know what it is. I think biggest failure across a entire career, I would say, probably is an inability to make mistakes. Which, when you first say it, sounds like it's not a failure at all. It's amazing, but it's not that I I wasn't making mistakes. It was it was almost my perception of making mistakes. So, you know, I, I've always, you know, grown up, whether it's being playing football or at school or, you know, when I started my working career, mistakes are such a bad thing. You know, you can't make mistakes. They're such a negative. And then you almost try and subconsciously hide them. You know, you won't, mm. you, you make a mistake, you won't raise it. Or sometimes you will really try and avoid making mistakes. And then 
your output goes down because you're not you're not doing enough. But you know, mm-hmm. I had a an old sales manager who I still work with now that sort of you know sat me down and you've got to understand that mistakes are so important, you know, in in development in progression. But just you know, understanding and learning from them. If if you're not doing that, what are you doing? You're not moving forward. And if you're not putting yourself in a position where you are making mistakes, then are you really pushing yourself? So yeah. I think I, I had that sort of cloud over my head for a long time when I was much younger, where, yeah. you know, it's not that you wouldn't own up to mistakes, but you wouldn't be forthright with them. You know, your, your manager would end up finding out that you've made a mistake rather than you just going up and saying, oh, I've tried this, it hasn't worked. And then you learn from it and then you don't make that mistake again. So I think that that was probably the biggest failure I had. It's not sort of a, a one-off you know, oh, I was having a conversation with Khan, I did something wrong. It's, it was more of an ongoing that, you know, I, I was, I wasn't using mistakes in a, in a positive way. I was, yeah. I was, I was sort of seeing them as such a negative reflection on myself rather than, than growing from them. And as soon as I sort of started viewing them differently and thinking, you know, because you see those things on LinkedIn all the time, don't you? You know, especially about entrepreneurs, it's like, you know, yeah, 99 wrongs and then a right things like that and you know as soon as i started viewing it like that that you know you've got all these mistakes you you need to capitalize and learn from them it's so important to make mistakes so that you can then you can develop from it so i think that's probably the biggest failure i had the biggest challenge i had uh, when i was younger well that's really brought the mood down jack hasn't it it's interesting because you've just made me think about when i first started out um i'm 45 now so I used to kind of hide or or have this sort of fear or shame of making mistakes and you would, so you would maybe try and cover it up or feel like you couldn't go and tell someone for fear of retribution. And where does that come from? You know, is it, is it actually is maybe schooling to blame, you know, because you're, oh, you get a gold star for doing really well, but what do you get for failing? You know, you, you, I don't know. Is it a, it's, yeah. yeah, it's a good point, actually. I never really thought about it like that. Do, do you not think, just sorry, I know this is your bit, Jack, but do you not think it's about environment as well? The environment is with, in, which you're, in which you're working as well, whether leaders actually actively seek you to, 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 to learn from your mistakes or whether they just um, um, give you a kicking for it, I guess. It could be you that. Know? I mean, I, you know, I think... When I when I talk about my experience with it, I I feel like I know where it stems from, and it was when, you know, I was I was young, I was maybe eight or nine, and I was playing football, and it wasn't you know that time wasn't a serious level, but our manager was like it was everything to him, and you know you got to a stage where, you know, certain kids didn't really want to play anymore because you know the the shouting you would get if you made a mistake at eight years old. You know, you, you almost think, oh, God, I don't I don't really want the ball. I don't, you know, I don't want to do this anymore because making a mistake was so bad. And I feel like maybe it's all stemmed from that. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. So, yeah, I think that could be right then, Brian. It would be maybe it's, it's environment and leadership and, you know, that's sort of instilled in you. I've seen some cultures um, in, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm marginally older than Jack's, well, maybe seven years. But, um, so, you know, I'm 52 and I've been, I've been working, I, I think I had my first, in, well, in, the, in, the, in IT career anyway, when I started when I was 20. And um, so I've been around in this working um, in, in, 
in business for like 32 years. And I have seen some really, really, really bad kind of blame culture kind yeah. of businesses where there is a, you know, something goes wrong and, you know, someone's head has to be on the block for it. You know, how that is never going to encourage people to want to talk about, you know, failure and actually learn from it. And, okay, what did we learn from this today? Because, you know, now, okay, if you're going to make the same mistake four times and not do anything about it, then that's an entirely different thing because you're not learning from them. But, but, you know, but if you're in a blame culture environment, and that, I mean, that certainly sounds like that wasn't. I've, I've seen some real toxic places. And the problem is some of the people there don't even realize that it's like that because they don't, they just think that's the norm. They don't know what good is. You know, that they think that's good. They just think that's the norm. So, yeah, I think you've hit on, You've hit on a good one there, to be fair. Yeah, interesting. Thank you for that. The next question is, um, you've got quite a few years to go before you hit this milestone. When you're 70 and look back at your life, what will you be glad <laughs> you did or feel proud of? Something you've either done already or still want to do? Cool. That is that is such a tough one. It's something I've never thought about before. But um, I don't know. I think it's one of those ones where, I mean, I'm... I'm only 30 but you know you you look back and if you'd asked me that 15 years ago the answer would be completely different you know yeah. 15 years old what do you want to oh, i want to be famous i want to i want to be a footballer i want to do this i want to do that but now to be honest you know I, i'm i'm sort of the sort of person that doesn't really think past the next day in a way just, you know, just, <laughs> just enjoy just enjoy myself day to day but i think my my mindset's changed maybe to now it's more about, you know, the people that I am actually close with and actually care about rather than, you know, when you're younger, you want to be famous and you want, you know, you want to be a global superstar. You want everyone to love you. Now it's more maybe just, you know, it's just, you know, doing, you know, making those people around you very proud, you know, where you're, I mean, I imagine when you get, when you get older, your, your, your close circle would get smaller, maybe, I don't know, but maybe just having, I mean, I'm trying to, trying to assume what I would want to have when I was 70, but maybe just have that, you know, that that group of the people that were closest to you, your family and everything, you know, just have some sort of legacy there maybe, you know, yeah. look back, have lots of, you know, fond memories, have, you know, made real positive impacts for people, I suppose. I don't know. I mean, apart from that, I, you know, I have no idea where I'll be in five years. So to say, to say what, what no five I'm year proud plan, of, it's, yeah, it's really <laughs> tough. It's really tough. But I don't know. I, I suppose apart from that, I, I, I wouldn't really know. Cool. No, thank you. I've actually skipped. I've done these around the wrong way this time. But um, the last one is, if you ruled the world for a day, what would you do? See, this one's easy, Jax. And I don't know if this is because I, I've just moved away, but lived in London for however long. I... I would like to be able to implement an instant fine for anyone that walks on their phone. So, you know, when the, when you're walking and texting and it's because, you know, when you, you come down to London, everyone has to be everywhere as soon as possible. And I'll be a fast walker. Yeah. If I get stuck on even if I'm half an hour early and I'm stuck on an escalator behind someone that's walking incredibly slowly on their phone. I mean, I would never say anything because I'm, you know, I'm English, but <laughs> in my head i am absolutely furious so and then i'll give them when i walk past i'll give them sort of a side eye glare but i would never say anything god forbid but i wish that i could just impose an instant fine of i don't know 200 pound walking on your phone or even worse walking and stopping 
on your phone uh, in the middle of the pavement. I don't know if that's just me, but that, uh, that is something I moan about frequently. Yeah, it's it's just a, it's not real difference to driving and being on your phone. You know, you should be looking where you're going um, mm. when you're walking. No, I totally agree. It's a, it's a pet hate of mine as well. So the rules of the payment of the pavement dictate that you you cannot Maybe there be, on be your some phone. Sort of yeah, unless you move to the side, move to the side, stand against the wall or something, or, or a shop, and then you could yeah. browse. <laughs> I you're love walking, that. you're I walking. Yeah. I, don't, I think it's a tolerance thing, isn't it? You, don't, you can't be tolerant of people like that. You know, so. I, it drives me mad. drives me absolutely mad. That's the one thing. I think I'm quite a tolerant bloke, but when it comes to that, no, that is, that's, that's the end of the line for me. <laughs> at least in London they know which side of the escalator to stand on that's something I used to well, uh, oh well you hope they know I mean, yeah. yeah that's another one you've raised another one here <laughs> <laughs> probably ruined the rest of my day there Jack but yeah that is, that is absolutely another one was, I mean it's, it's something I really noticed when because I, I used to live down south a lot well not in London but I used to go up to London um, every now and again and I used to love going up to London on a Sunday morning to go to the uh, the gym because uh, it was dead um, and yeah. it was so nice to walk about without any crowds. But when I moved back up here, my God, people just don't know how to use escalators up here. It, it's it mad, isn't it? Do you do? I imagine it works out like this as well because this is exactly what I do in that situation where they'll, you see them stand on the wrong side, so you can't walk past. But you walk down right behind them. You won't say anything. <laughs> You'll just wait behind them, like extremely passively aggressively. <laughs> Sometimes then, I do say excuse me if I can see that there's a way to get past. I'll say excuse me, and I'll, I will get down. Um, yeah, very brave, Jax. I wouldn't mess with you then. I wouldn't <laughs> me stand in front of you on, a, on an escalator. <laughs> uh, yeah, it just depends on, on what I'm doing and where I'm going. If I need to get there quickly or not. I had that. I had that one yesterday. I find it in airports and service stations. I find people just lose um, spatial awareness in these places. And I was, I, we, I drove from the Isle of Wight up to Glasgow yesterday, and um, and we stopped in Norton Keynes on the M6 toll just for a toilet stop. So so um, so I'm walking to the toilet and people just walk along and they're in a thoroughfare. You know, they're in that that bit of the service station where everyone walks through, and they just stop because they're on their phone, or they stop and turn to someone mm. because they're, um, oh, should we go in there? Well, you know, there's yeah. 50 people who are about to do that um, that sort of comic thing where they all run into each other Smash because they the all back, yeah. expected you not to stop. And I, I walked out, and I, I, I was out, um, and I was waiting for my other half, and then we were walking back, and I was just, I, you could just see my face changing, and she just <laughs> turned to me and said, you don't play very well with other people, do you? <laughs> I actually do, but not when they're not in these sort of circumstances. I'm with you. So. I'm absolutely with you, Brian. That's triggered me that that image. <laughs> that's oh, cool. Thanks, Joe. That's that's my questions over. Amazing, Joe. Thank you very much. That's been that's been really good. That's been really good, and, and hopefully I'll catch up with you soon as well. Yeah, absolutely. I've enjoyed it. Thank you for having me. Cheers. Thanks.